The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. If you got your Bibles, please turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14. I appreciate the honor to come and, and preach before you men and... Uh, you got me nervous. I don't know if it's the chicken or you guys, but anyway, I'm uh, I'm feeling uh, feeling the pressure tonight. When they asked me to to preach at Be Strong, uh, I started praying right then, and I went through tons and tons of scriptures, but I kept falling back to this. And more than likely, this text has been preached uh, probably a dozen times or even more uh, to the men here uh, at Snowbird, and I know the men at my church have heard this. This passage preached before by me and other elders, but it's very important. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Let's read the text. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Elsewhere it says in the Bible, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We read that word and we're reminded of what we must be, not what we should be, not what is suggested that we be, but what we must be. In the context of that scripture, the book of Corinthians was written to a church that was probably the most vile church in Paul's day and it needed to be dealt with. The Christians were gone wild, literally. They were doing some messed up stuff. And there at the end, Paul wanted to give them a final instruction. And he didn't give it to the pastors. He didn't give it just to the, the ladies or the Sunday school uh, people or whatever, you know, the, 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 the teachers of the small groups. No, he gave it to the men. Because the way the men go is the way the church goes. The way the men go is the way culture goes, the way society goes, and the way your community goes. If we did a survey in evangelical churches today, we would see that there is a crisis with men. And, and the, the churches that we all come from and we were raised in are being swept away by what is, what is, what is not toxic masculinity, but a feminine version of masculinity. There's, there's a podcast that's been very popular, which has a lot of good things to say. I'm not going to get into who it is, but, but they would tell you that it was a toxic masculinity that killed the church and, and, and all these kind of things. But, but what is going on is the evangelical church is becoming feminized. I pastor a church, and if I'm not, very, if I'm not careful, we'll put a table out, and it'll automatically grow flowers if we're not careful. I don't know if you go to a church like that, so we've got to keep that stuff out, right? But the church lacks masculine leadership. And what has happened, it has created, uh, the church has become very vulnerable and has lost its security. And many things have crept in and, and are destroying the churches as we speak. Now, when I'm talking about men and talking about being masculine, I'm not talking about those who are identified by their trophies. As a matter of fact, there's a trophy back there that Brother Brody found at the dump for somebody who won it bowling in 1990. 
Obviously, that dude's dead, and uh, that trophy means nothing. So if you're living for trophies, that's not masculinity according to the Bible. I'm not talking about those who live for accolades. I'm not talking about the ones who try to impress those by climbing that proverbial business ladder or career ladder. A man, according to the Bible, is not the one who can hit the hardest or fart the loudest, right? That was supposed to be funny, but anyway. (laughs) But what has happened, if a man does stand up and start to take his God-given role, he is quickly pushed back and his manhood is quelled down. This is because our culture is afraid of true biblical manhood. Men in our culture are degraded in so many ways. Most men and fathers are pictured as a harmless, bumbling boy who can shave, and he must be shown the way by his wise, savvy children and his feminist wife. When we look at TV shows and things of that nature, that's what manhood is. I know some real idiots in my personal life that think a man is one who can make it furthest on the latest video game. I know a real moron who takes off his rings or his ring when he goes out to lunch during work. There's so many extremes out there. And this, as the years have rolled by, culture is quickly, or slowly rather, being destroyed and it's eked into the church. Now these are extremes that have superseded and downgraded manhood. The extreme now, though, is there's no gender. Things are fluid. A few months ago, the most sickening thing I've seen in a while was a picture of our Secretary of Transportation, Pete, and his husband sitting together in a hospital bed with their child born to a surrogate mother as if they had made the baby. These examples are not what the man that the Bible speaks of. This is a mockery. So society is faced with a crisis, the church thus is faced with the same crisis. But instead of being the macho man, most men in evangelical churches have taken the path of their father Adam and have passively stepped out of the fight. They're not fighting for their wives or their families or their their churches and communities. Most men are so afraid of getting wounded and getting their knees bruised, that they left the fight altogether, for they love comfort. But we need men of courage today. The type of manhood the Bible speaks of. Men who are willing to take responsibility for themselves and for others. Men like Christ, who took the responsibility of our sins upon Him. Men of discipline, men of God, men of grace. In our society, our women, our children, our churches, and our very nation are crying out for men who will protect, defend, honorable men who will show our wives and children the love of Christ and that they are worth fighting for. You see, women are having a hard time and their virtue is being attacked. Their honor is being attacked and true femininity is dependent upon biblical men. And because there's no biblical men, the women are just left to fight for themselves. The continuation of anything approaching what God has called us to be is going to depend upon us rising up and being strong. Amen? Just, just bear with me for a minute. I want to kind of set the tone of what we must be. 
the attack on women has become so real that sex slavery and porn has increased exponentially since the COVID crisis. There's been an attack on manhood, attack on children, attack on humanity. Single motherhood has grown so common in America that today 80% of single parent families are headed by women. Nearly a third of these women live in poverty. Why? Because the men aren't there. Where are the men? We hear the echo from the garden when God said, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Among all homeless families nationwide, two-thirds of them are headed by single women with children. Children without fathers are five times more likely to commit suicide, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, ten times more likely to abuse drugs, 14 more times likely to rape someone, 20 more times likely to end up in prison, 32 more times likely to run away from home. What about in the church? Well, there's definitely a problem in Corinth. They were really in trouble. But as Paul closes with these last words to the men, we must recognize that they are responsible. Men, we're responsible. We're responsible. So let's break this scripture down. Notice, first of all, Paul says to be watchful, to watch. The Christian life as a man needs to be a life of alertness. We're to be on the watch. We've got to be awake. Now, I'm not talking about being woke. I'm talking about being on the watch. I'm talking about being uh, alertness, having a wartime attitude. We have to have our senses so acute to, to the, in understanding what's going on, to evaluate and to be aware of what the adversary is doing. Just like in that deer stand where you have every leaf, every twig, every little squirrel barking at you, you are a, a, in tune to what's around you. Men, we need to wake up and be alert. To tune our senses into everything. To be a student of the context of the life that we are in. To know the winds, to know the seasons. If you read what was going on in Corinth, it was some really messed up stuff. But look what's going on around us today. These men were in a drunken stupor, not knowing what was going on. And just like Adam, they were letting temptations and the evil one and the enemy come in and attack their wives and attack their children. And we're doing the very same thing today. Y'all with me? <clears throat> we are to be on the watch, number one, for, on our, for ourselves. Watch yourself. You and I must pursue holiness and make the hard choices. This is discipline. This is doing things that no one else will do. This is some things that we've got to do now. We must be disciplined. The General Stonewall Jackson, which, hey, we're not supposed to mention him anymore. But anyway, Stonewall Jackson had never tasted butter until he was a young man. And when he tried it for the first time, he loved it so much that he was afraid that his desire for it would hinder his relationship with God. He was afraid it would become an idol. You better be on guard for your life. You better know where, where you're at. You better watch yourself on the phone. You better watch yourself what comes into your heart because it will destroy you. 
This week we're talking about being the priest of the family. The priest would make sure that he was holy before he entered into the temple. He would make sure his life was right. For if he went into the Holy of Holies, what would happen? He would die. But you and I are so frivolous with the way we do our decisions and the things we look at and the things we consume. It's no wonder we're failing. For I've been around Christian men and their number one conversation was what happened on the latest Yellowstone episode. Now, I'm not saying you need to stop watching movies and things like that, but my goodness, have you watched it? Raise your hand. Oh, gotcha. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yep, you got it. No, I'm kidding. But you've got to figure out, you've got to beware of what you're putting in, what you're cruising on Facebook, and it just as you're swapping around, it may do us well to kill those things. So watch yourself. I could go on. But you know what you need to do. Watch your family. Your wife. Paul says, be watchful. Do you know your wife? Do you know what she needs to thrive as a woman of God? Do you know what wars she is facing? And dare I say she may be facing them alone? Because we're too caught up in the junk of our life to care what she's fighting? Are you fighting for her? If no, why not? Don't fall into the trap that Adam fell into. Don't become consumed with your job, your hobby, or your ministry, and you forget her. Let me say something to you who may be pastors here. You are not qualified to lead God's church because you're a good networker. You're not qualified to lead God's church because you're a good speaker or you have an MDiv from Southern or Southeastern. None of that qualifies you to lead God's church. What leads you, what qualifies you to lead the church of God is the way you love your wife, the way you love your family, the way you lead your home. Watch your wife, watch your children. What are they doing? Who's speaking into your children's life? The friends, dare I say their phone, don't be naive. You understand, in my pocket I carry a mobile TV studio. And I could film the most horrible, vile things in the world. And your kids are watching them. You're saying, Timmy, how do you know? I've been in ministry for 20 years as a youth pastor for 12 years of those. Don't be naive. Know what's getting into the heart of your children. Be a watchman. Be ready. Understand you need to fight those things that are after your kids. You watch your wife. You watch your, your children. Your church? Are you serving your church? Are you committing to your church? Are you just taking from the church? Are you just a consumer? Give the church your gifts, your talents. So we're to watch, and, and I, could, I could preach a sermon on each one of these phrases, each one of these military commands, as one preacher put it. We're to watch, but the next command is to stand firm. Stand firm in what? In the faith. It's, it's modified there. We're to stand firm in the faith. Not in a faith or in, in, in faith, in a real fairy way of saying it, but in the faith. The word 
standing firm there, it, 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 it sounds almost like the word for, in the English, stake, like the lay a stake. And, and, and you need to lay down the stake. Nail it down in what you believe. You need to know what you believe. We have more information than any time in church history to be gathered and consumed by us. Yet we are the most uh, ignorant of church, uh, church life ever in the, in the history of the church. We need to know the gospel, that it's not a moralistic approach to God, but it's about a full need in the blood of Christ, thus submitting to the Lord, relinquishing our life totally on and into Him. We need to stand firm in the faith, to know the doctrines, to know the things that our forefathers actually died for. You, sir, need to make a stand and stand firm in the faith because you and Zach's going to talk about this tomorrow, are the resident theologian of the house. You are the shepherd of your home, not your wife, not your pastor, not Beth Moore, not John Piper, not anyone else, you. And you, like the Greek word reminds us of the word stake, need to hammer this in your life. And the lack of of the men being the resident pastors, if you will, of their house could be why the Western church is in the shape that it's in. So we must know the true gospel of grace that begins with the sovereign Lord who's in full control, a king who rules all, and all things are in his hands, not questioning the living Lord of where he's put you and what you are going through, yet but fully relying upon his life, and his death, understanding that we're nothing without Christ, that we fully depend upon him and we need him every hour, and we need to preach this to ourselves and to our families. We need to be reminded of what we've been saved from and what, we, what it took to save us. And then in remembering, we need to remember that we've been adopted and brought into the family and called out to represent the warrior king, Jesus Christ. But most of us just warm pews. We just get through the day. And we wonder why our families are in shambles. It's leaving the true gospel, taking responsibility for others as Christ did. Moving quickly, we're, we're, we're on watch. We're standing firm. Third command, be strong. Now, this is not a worldly view of strength. This is not a call to start living off the land and homesteading. <laughs> this type of strength can and should be exhibited in men of all walks. Whether you are a bearded mountain man who slings a hammer or torques a wrench like I do every day, or you're the businessman or the financial advisor, and everyone in between, we are to be strong in Christ. How does that work? How does it be, how, what does being strong in the Scripture mean? Well, Paul never contradicts himself. Paul says, when I'm weak, I'm strong because I'm an instrument in God's hand. That's my translation. At my weakest point, I am strong because of Christ. That means we, we, we are so, we're standing firm, just like before, and our strength comes from standing in that truth. 
Standing in the face of chaos, in the face of division, and being that beacon of strength because of the grace that has been bestowed upon us, because of the faith in the sovereign God in which we have. And so we're the one who stands and inspires and leads. And we show a, a, we have a show of strength and a call to arms. Strong men live in the strength of God. Strong men live in the strength of Christ. To say it correctly, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strength may mean denying your opinions. Strength may mean denying your, your, your wants and your preferences. Strength is when you, when you exhibit grace and holiness for the sake of community. How, how do we characterize that? How do we apply that? Well, the practical thing is this. A strong man is easily blessed. You're, the one who, who, you're not the one who complains about preference preference and music style you're the one who who's not picky but you're the one who will kill the visions who will stand for the weak you're the one who will go until it hurts not because you get a prize which you will but because it makes god look good we're strong when we, when it's needed most doing the stuff that no one else wants to do and when rest is not available we rest in christ that's what being strong is I'm moving quickly because I want to get to this one. Point five. I'm sorry, point, yeah, point four, rather. We're to watch, stand firm, be strong, quickly. We're to love. I'm not going to talk about love much, so it's, that's horrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> love is in our actions, the way we, we carry ourselves, should be filtered through love. Verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. It's, it's, it's the, the word agape. It's the sacrifice. It's the selfless acts. It's being gracious, giving grace, giving love, not holding grudges. You're not that guy, okay? If you're going to follow Christ, you're not the grudge guy. You don't, you don't have that luxury. And you say, but Timmy, I don't care. Show me where in the scriptures you can do this. It's not there. In fact, we're called to suffer. We're called to quell down those emotions. And so we love. Let's go through it again. We, we watch, we stand firm, we're strong, and we love. And finally, let's go back to that, back, back to verse 13. Act like men. And if you've got a King James, it says, quit ye like men. That's what it says. I like the way that it says that. But I don't really know what it means, so I had to go to a modern translation. Act like men. This is a profound statement, and I want to park here just for a moment. It's a word and a phrase that's used only once in the New Testament. You see, Paul is calling the men of the church to literally be a man. It's a verb which is taken from a noun which means man, and he's literally now turning this noun into a verb. Become a man. You be a man. You have a role. It's a distinctive. It's an assumption of what a man is. Biblically, it's what it means that we're a call. It's a call for courageous men to rise up. 
Paul answers and echoes God, just like we said before, when he said to Adam, where are the men? Where is Adam? Where were you when the snake attacked? Where were you when the tempter came? Where were you when she believed the lie? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, men? It is very clear that God designed men to protect, to provide, and to defend. Yeah, we're talking about the priesthood, and we're talking about many things, but we're a lot like a farmer. A husband who's working the land, tilling the land. And when the enemy comes, when things come to attack what we have invested in, we kill it. God designed men to do a certain role. It's a distinctive. You should embrace it. And many of you, it's time to grow up. You have been purchased by the blood. You have been ransomed. With the life and blood of Christ, don't be scared. This means we go. This means we do the hard things. This means we protect. We're to be a man. A man is one who does not leave room for abuse. Or raise their voice to your wife. Or give your wife that look. You know which one I'm talking about? That look where you said, don't you go there. Don't you tell me that, woman. That's what a coward does. That's what a fool does. Christ was never like that. Paul says that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus never gives us the look. He never threatens us. You have an issue if you're there. You need to find another man to help you with this. If you want to fight, you fight him. For a man is one who picks up those who are hurt. A man is the one who stays up late with a brother who is suffering with an addiction and they go to Waffle House and sit there and just talk and drink coffee because the fella's shaking so hard trying to get rid of his addiction. We treat our wives like daughters of God. We show them that their love is worth fighting for. We're tough. We take a punch. We are not afraid to suffer. We should be willing to take a shot and still serve and still love like Christ. Yeah, to take one and give one if needed. Doesn't mean we're pacifists. Even as a pastor, I've had to rally up my elders because of an abusive husband within our church. And we had a prayer meeting with him. We had to have a talk with him. We didn't go whoop him or anything like that. But he had to face down seven strong men as he was being confronted with his sins. You know what we did after? You know what I did? I didn't raise up a, a, a cold beer and say, yeah, brothers, we did it. You know, I wept. I wept because we had to confront this man whom I loved. We should be willing to do that. Be tough, be tender. Are you man enough to pray for and with your wife? If you're not doing doing it, why? You don't mind putting your hands on her? Why don't you lay your hands on her and pray for her? Why don't you get on your knees with her and pray with her? Or how about your children? They know their daddy loves Jesus. 
or do they know their daddy loves the Braves or the Cowboys or whatever above all? You see, our hands could be weapons, but they can be used to heal. They're both gifts, but they both need to be used for the glory of God and for the joy of the church. This is what it means to be a man. This is not popular. This is not what society wants, but this is what we need to be doing. This is what we must do. You're saying, Timmy, this sounds like a bunch of moralistic hoopla. This has been told within the context of the church, of those who have already been brought, bought, already been redeemed. But yet, just as we were, just as he had us on his mind before the foundations of the world to bring us into the fold, he also told and said in his word that we were chosen to do good works, to do good things. So in grace, we do this. We take responsibility for ourselves, for those around us, and those who God has put around us. This is a call to conviction, to compassion, and to courage. Paul says, be watchful. Are you watching yourself? Some of us tonight, you need to kill some things on your phone. You need to kill some things in your life. You need to watch yourself. You're not the flirt guy at work. Okay? You're not the, you, you, you need to figure out, look at your, your screen time. How much screen time are you putting in a day? It'll probably blow your mind if you look at it. Watch what's going on in your life, your family, your wife, your children. You need to stand firm. Do you know what you believe? Or you've just been consuming and consuming and you just don't really know. It's time for you to get in the Word. It's time for you to get with some other men and learn the Word of God and learn the doctrines that our forefathers have died for. Be watchful. Stand firm. Be strong. Are you strong in, in the Word? I'm, I'm sorry, strong in Christ, strong in His grace. Paul says to love. Are you loving? And finally... Act like a man. I'm going to pray. And we're going to worship. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the attentiveness of these men tonight. I am honored to preach your word. And I pray that if I've said anything that was flesh, that you would strike it from our memory, that you would not allow it to, to, to reign in our hearts, but only your word, only your wisdom, only the thing that you the things that your holy spirit has given us lord i pray that you just let us bask in your grace thank you for what you're doing in our hearts lord change us in the name of christ i pray amen thanks for listening we hope this has encouraged you in your walk with christ be sure to give us a rating and review and for more snowbird content check out our other podcast no sanity required